Welcome to Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time, where we aim to break down barriers, demystify blindness, and promote real and lasting change. Join host David Steinmetz as he connects us with professionals who are making a positive impact in the community. These leaders help empower individuals who are blind or have other disabilities to live a full and inclusive life. Let's lean in as David kicks off today's conversation. Hey, hello, everybody. I'm David Steinmetz, your host of Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time. Really excited for today's show. Uh, Before we kick it off, I'd like to thank Arizona Industries for the Blind for sponsoring my show today. AIB empowers people who are blind or visually impaired to achieve their highest goals and aspirations by providing dignified career opportunities to people who are blind. So this episode, we're really focused on National Disability Employment Awareness Month, or NDEAM. And this is celebrated every October to recognize the talents and contributions that people who are blind or people with disabilities bring to the workforce and the importance of creating a diverse, equitable, and inclusive workplace. Recently, uh, I came across a study or report that says that one in four Americans have a disability. And that number is going to continue to grow as people age because, unfortunately, disability does not discriminate. Any age, gender, race, ethnicity, uh, it it just doesn't matter. Uh, Disabilities will impact uh, us directly or indirectly through a family member or friend. So it's important to understand as we celebrate NDEAM that we recognize that people with disabilities still have a lot of uh, things that uh, value, a lot of uh, contribution to bring into the workplace and into the community. And the, the show that, that I put on um, each episode is really about changing that perception of what the capabilities, what people who are blind bring to the workforce, bring to a community through connecting with uh, great leaders uh, across the nation who are making an impact, who are working to create an inclusive uh, life and workplace uh, community for people who are blind. In this episode, I've got a great lineup of guests today, and I'm really excited to have them. And what I'd like to do is we'll just kind of go around the, the horn and ask for introductions, kind of give a little background about yourself your organization. And then after we get through there, we'll go ahead and kind of kick it off. So Frank, how about we start with you? Sure. My name is Frank Vance, and I am the Director of Rehabilitation Services at the Arizona Center for the Blind in Phoenix. And I've been with the agency for quite a while, um, over 30 years. I'm a native Arizonan. I, I grew up in or near the valley I've been on the staff here at ACBVI since 1985. When I'm not working, I enjoy community service and reading and outdoor activities like camping. Awesome. Thank you, Frank. Terrell. Yes. Hi. Good afternoon, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. I represent Arizona at Work with the Employer Engagement Administration. I'm an employment coordinator. And I specialize in working with people with disabilities. Arizona Job Connection, AJC, is a web-based job matching labor market information system. And that's 
We're proud to be the representatives of that for the state of Arizona. And Arizona Job Connection provides job seekers, employers, and training providers with easy-to-use tools that support a wide range of activities. As a service for the public workforce system, Arizona Job Connection is completely free for use, and uh, you only need a computer and an internet access to create and post resumes or job postings to determine whether you're eligible for state or federally funded workforce programs, uh, to search for the ideal job or job candidate, and to uh, search for uh, the ideal training or service provider. So research, labor market information is also there and much more. And so we would be delighted to work with you. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you, Terrell. Really appreciate it. And Isaac, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and a little bit of background about yourself. Uh, yeah, good afternoon, David. Thank you for having me. Uh, just uh, uh, excited to be on your show after we uh, met back at the Vision Serve Conference and love your passion for, you know, just creating this inclusive workforce. And so I am the uh, CEO and founder of Clean Logic. Um, I founded the business actually uh, almost 21 years ago and my senior in college at Arizona State. So I was uh, uh, raised in Tucson, Arizona and uh, went to school at Arizona State where I founded uh, um, a social enterprise um, where we today focus on being the leader in uh, a wellness brand in terms of uh, skincare and exfoliating tools. We are the leader in this, but what we really thrive to do is to create a product that is going to advance the lives where we started with just blind and visually impaired. Today, since we are uh, opening a factory in the United States, uh, where we are creating a workforce with today over 40 employees uh, partnering with different agencies like Overbrook School for the Blind. So we have autism, we have Down syndrome. So just uh, really excited to be a part of what we have been doing to, to create that conversation where we want not just ourselves to set the standard and bringing in a workforce across uh, all levels of work within our company, um, but inspiring our industry to uh, look at hiring uh, individuals with disabilities. And, and I am proud to say that our industry with retail and uh, consumer good products uh, do have a, a big commitment like our HEBs and Walmarts, Meyer, where they do hire uh, individuals with disability and how do we continue to encourage uh, our industry to set that standard so uh, other industries will follow. Fantastic. And and thank you. And congratulations on getting your product into those channels, the work that you're doing. And as as you can see, uh, you know, we brought together leaders in, in a lot of different industries um, that I think are important to know that are available uh, to individuals as well as to other organizations that help prepare somebody who is blind or somebody with a disability uh, to, to gain the, the tools necessary to be ready for go back to work or enter into the job market. We have experts in that uh, employer engagement and, and connecting employers with qualified candidates and then uh, this great organization uh, in Clean Logic that is making a, a conscious effort to uh, employ people with disabilities. So I'm, I'm really excited for today's show because it's going to really, I think, kind of bring it full circle um, as that experience that people who have a disability will go through in order to um, be able to live independently, be self-sufficient, and be contributing members of, of society through, through work. 
Now, Isaac, I was reading through your bio also. It's not just the the fact that you have Clean Logic as a project, as, you know, an organization that is in the beauty and, and healthcare industry, but you also have a foundation and, and those two are, are separate. So it is as a you're a a for-profit organization on the clean logic side that is really dedicated to giving people with disabilities an opportunity. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. Um, yeah, the Inspiration Foundation, um, a little bit more about the Inspiration, um, especially since we're talking about the state of Arizona, my mom has been very involved in the blind and visually impaired community in terms of gaining uh, individuals with vision loss uh, employment. Uh, if you don't know, my mom is Beatrice Shapiro. Um, so um, she's been my inspiration to this and why we call it the Inspiration Foundation. And so our goal is to create tech grant awards uh, for agencies to help them purchase uh, adaptive technology that will help them gain employment. And so we partner with the Vision Serve Alliance to help us look for agencies that are in need. And uh, we're excited that this show we're also going to be expanding for uh, with Cosby with the School for the Blind uh, and creating a tech grant award. So the, that's that's our uh, goal. And we want to continue to evolve this and, and figure out how we can merge our work uh, with Clean Logic and in, in our industry to uh, leverage our foundation to uh, continue to inspire other companies to to follow what we're doing. Fantastic. And thank you for doing that. And uh, definitely well, well deserved and well needed in the community for providing those uh, training and tools uh, for people who are blind. So for thank you for that. So as we talked, the kick off my show and, and the title of my show, Changing the Perception, really perception is the name of the game when it comes to our past experiences, inter- interactions, you know, society norms, you know, cultural values and such, where people kind of form those perceptions of what the environment or what things are going on around them and how it impacts them. And and blindness, I think, is one of those things because it's such a low prevalence in society. A lot of people don't have that experience, and especially when it comes into the workplace. So, you know, maybe, Tara, if you want to maybe kind of kick off a conversation, um, a lot of times I think we find that employers may think that people with disabilities, people who are blind, they may be limited in their capacity or their abilities, or that they may not be a good fit for the organization because of their disability. In your experience as employer engagement and working with people with disabilities, how do you address that with, with employers? Well, first off, uh, this is my fourth full career. As you can see, I'm beyond middle age. <laughs> I had 20, 20 plus years in, in premier dining, hotel, and management. And in those years, you know, in one role, I would be in charge of hiring over 300 people to come into, uh, I ran the food operation and a catering company for a ski resort. And so it would be my role to bring those those employers or those employees on and, and train them and and to bring back encourage bringing back prior and so over the years I've studied you know I've seen several resumes and and I can tell you personally that I experienced what it what the employer goes through in this process of hiring you, you have to you have to look at things with a perspective of like bottom line profit return on investment is is this someone that I can hire 
some employers out there have the opinion that people with disabilities just aren't good enough. And you can think of that like, gosh, that's just not fair. It doesn't mean that they don't care about the individual, but they can't see that person uh, not affecting their bottom line profit. This this is just not fair. It, it's something that we have to do a better job of showing the skills that an individual holds. When when employers will embrace this, we've seen that in a recent study, it showed that companies that champion people with disabilities outperform other companies, both driving up productivity and shareholder returns. Revenues were up 28%, income was up 200%, and profit margins reached up to 300% and higher, or excuse me, 30% and higher. But 300, that'd be nice. Yeah, right. And so uh, companies, they're able to, to improve in their overall perspective and, and really embrace inclusion, disability inclusion are four times more likely to see higher return on investments. And so that's what the employer is looking for. So by bringing on, by taking this challenge, you're showing, you're opening up to people the, the, the possibilities in your company. And, and it's just vast. It, it can be so impactful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and David, I'd love to just, you know, as we want to open this conversation, you know, we just, as we hired on Overbrook, as we brought on our first group um, uh, of workforce uh, through them, it was amazing to watch our office, uh, who most of our uh, employees had never had any interaction with uh, someone with vision loss. And so we had to put red tape, you know, the tape down on the floor. They learned about the canes. And what we can say, the worker productivity, and I think the culture we just felt got much stronger. And I think even our uh, our non, you know, our workforce that has vision and had uh, been experiences, they really had a different outlook on life and how they saw things and what a good day and a bad day. Um, so it really has. I, I I totally believe that that what you, those stats you're putting in there, we feel that within the workforce, and and I think that's what's going to be important for uh, the 21st century in terms of how inclusion uh, and really what millennials are are looking for in terms of a workforce. So it's been really impactful for us uh, in living it firsthand uh, and, and then hearing other companies that have embraced it. Um, it's definitely supportive of what you said, Terrell. Yeah, that's, that's just, you know, amazing to hear that the employees without disabilities, right, kind of the the whole emphasis of this show is that their perception change and they can realize and understand that what somebody with a disability, the challenges they may face, but they're, the out, attitude or the outlook that they bring to the workforce, whether it's their uh, creativity, problem-solving, personalities, and and so forth, those, those experiences they bring to the workforce really just kind of flows all the way through and impacts everybody, not just that employee that you're bringing on with the disability. So, you know, great to hear Terrell from his perspective and the studies and, and hearing from your perspective, the real life and how those two mirror each other. That's amazing. So Frank, maybe ask you in terms of your, your role with ACBVI and when you are working with a client or you're working uh, to help somebody find a job, what would you tell that employer, even the employee and the employer, if, if you're engaging with them, why that they would hire, why they should hire somebody with, with a disability, someone who's blind? Okay. Um, 
You know, we would talk about perceptions and 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 misperceptions. You know, it's a perception that that's incorrect or mm-hmm. not valid. Um, I would encourage the employer as I would the uh, the person who is blind. You know, it's not as much about disabilities as much as it is about abilities. You know, how can a person benefit your company or your organization? What can they do? And, you know, it's easy to demonstrate that that they can really bring a lot to the table and accomplish quite a bit of things that that are beneficial. Mm-hmm. So when the employer can learn about how blindness is is a limitation, but it's not something that prevents employability. I think they're a lot more open. We've recently initiated a couple of internship programs with big business where they've not interacted with with other people and you know other people who are blind. And uh, it, we've had people visually impaired interning with with them and it's it's been just hugely successful it's it's a win-win for for everybody involved so it's learning that it's abilities and not disabilities sure so you're kind of reinforcing what isaac and and terrell are talking about in terms of how an employer an organization can grow through hiring people with disabilities that inclusive the diversity, those backgrounds and experiences, and gain new knowledge and grow grow the organization's culture and brand, really, too. Um, and I think maybe that ties to some things that you're you're doing, Isaac, right, in terms of your branding as, an, as a company. Um, as I think you mentioned, you, you kind of said it as a social, social enterprise. Can you explain a little bit more about that and your, your intentional branding of your products in, in the market? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when we think about inclusive, I think it started with our mission to add Braille to our packaging. I think about just how far it's come because we started that in 2006. And at that time, when we were starting to go to market. Didn't help. I was in my 20s and most of the buyers were telling me their kids are their age. And what do I know about, you know, delivering product on time? You know, let alone I'm talking about this Braille and why would I put Braille on product when... You know, there's only 25 million, it's going to add cost. And so that's been a great platform because now we're getting a lot of credit. And as our, as especially the larger Fortune 500, which a lot of the retailers and CPG companies are, this DEI, and where we're now trying to add that A to the DEI and A uh, aspect of it. So it's even been fun just to, you know, starting to talk to these uh, retailers that we're partnered with and talking about the accessibility side of it. So it's really been the product piece has been, you know, showcasing and creating a great unique product around our exfoliating products. Uh, we really have a, a, a leader. We're, we're a leader in our category of bath scrubbers and supermarkets. And we've watched this journey for over 15 years. And now what we're seeing is our product is able to make a social impact. And I think uh, what's been more exciting, you know, with what you're seeing today with supply chain and being able to commit to, you know, bringing jobs back to the United States and really create a commitment around, you know, a workforce of 75% uh, being people or individuals with disabilities. It's definitely been a challenge, you know, and some of the things that we've, 
you know, been looking for, you know, we, we thought with this unemployment rate, I love to always tell the story about our VP of, of operations. He's been at some very large organizations like UPS and QVC. And he thought, oh my God, unemployment is 70%. We're going to have people lining up for jobs. And as I'm, that's been a challenge for us where we have not been able to get people to come and fill you know, the jobs that we're looking for. And as we've been working with different agencies and state and federal to make this opportunity, we've also been finding some of the challenges where the barriers of Social Security, where we want full-time production. And so what's been interesting about our social enterprise, because I think people have talked about you're similar to a lighthouse, or but why that 75% is because we want to have that that vision or what that goal is for for Lighthouse, but we want to focus on being more private and building the brand and uh, doing that. But that's been the challenge is how do we work through some of the the barriers where we need full-time staff? And so, uh, and that's been a new piece that we're working through and getting a lot of help from the Department of Labor and, and VR. So, you know, when I go back to you know, us as a social enterprise, it's really making an impact in communities around the country. Yeah, for sure. I think there's definitely challenges in terms of when we look at the uh, the population of people with disabilities, right? And we say unemployment rate of, of 70% or, you know, the, lots of different numbers around that, but typically it's nowhere near what we see is, as, uh, you know, a Three, three and a half, four percent unemployment within the the population without disabilities. And I said, how do we get to all these people? You know, here in Arizona, we estimate there's a hundred and seventy-eight thousand people who are blind or visually impaired. In statistics, say that you know, twelve percent of the population has a disability. And as I mentioned, blindness is a low prevalence, so it's usually about two. Two percent, two and a half percent. So we we figured about one hundred seventy eight thousand people. Working age, we're going to estimate maybe somewhere around uh, fifty thousand. And then we say those who want to work, right, that are actively seeking, is probably somewhere in the twenty thousand. And when we have positions come available at uh, Arizona Industry Blind, how do we get those positions filled? Where are those people? It sounds like you're kind of having similar challenges uh, where your manufacturing plant is uh, in Pennsylvania there about, you know, is it other barriers to it? Transportation? Is it Social Security disability benefits and the cash cliff? If somebody earns too much money, then they lose their benefits. The fear of of that uh, maybe prohibit people. Uh, perception, as we talked about, and access to technology is, is typically, or printed or electronic information is typically another barrier. And I think those are one of the things that, that Terrell and I talk about is in the past as well is getting people into jobs that they want versus having to, you know, take any job. And Terrell, you know, should, as, as Isaac's talking about, wh- where do you see, you know, how do we get these positions filled, whether it's a, a production line worker or administrative or other positions, indirect type labor positions. How do we get those positions filled? First of all, what again, what is so important and what Isaac is doing is just spot on. It's changing the image of the business mindset. And and I think that that pays in such, that's such a huge area. You know, there's a misunderstanding that there's no accountability 
with people with disabilities. They're they're not going to be able to be at work on time. They're going to request all these days off. But if you look further into this, there's proof that habitual tardiness, absenteeism, and production are some of the main strengths with people with disabilities. Research proves that people with disabilities are 40% less likely to, to take sick leave or to take time off compared to their other workers. They have a level of adaptability that's higher. They're insightful because they, they've had to go through challenges that a person with a disability may not have experienced. They're likable. They have a, an ability to, to be in, impactful to the workforce that they're, they're in. And, and, and on top of that, they're a great example. People with disabilities bring a unique set of skills to the table. They're, they're basically there. They're, they bring up a, a high level of morality. They make an improvement on the team and the quality and work speed, which again, it is all about return on investment. So it's getting that word out to the employer, like, look at, here's a market that in the past, it's been very easy to look at and just think, you know what, they're not going to be able to perform and bringing them up to the level. I know that that I, I work quite a bit with, with uh, the vendors, uh, ACBBI with Frank and his team. We're right now working to, to make it more accessible to tools that are a help for them. Uh, the Arizona Job Connection currently has 118,000 jobs posted in, in, our, in our network, but it's very difficult for the job seeker to maneuver and, and to get to those positions. So we're going through, we're helping them to, to work through the system to, for the job seeker to be able to set up their own profile. And then for then us, we're working towards having a level of employers on on that uh, on our website that are hey you know what we're actively hiring people with disabilities so we're trying to work both sides of it and to bring those together uh, there's also a misconception that because uh, in regards to in demand industries you know you look at in demand industries and you think you know what I I can't work in construction I'm not right for healthcare I'm not I you know I, I I'm not a for the professional technical uh, areas of services, information technology, finance, and, and insurance, and, and transportation warehousing. But what we fail to realize is that there's occupations within those industries, those in-demand industries, that you can you can apply for and you can work in. You know, for an example, someone who's looking for a position administration, that's going to fall into these in-demand in industries. And so we're we're kind of like gosh I can't I can't go into this field yeah you can there, there's a lot of opportunity there and and sometimes we just need to bring things together we need to be more informative to the to the employer and give them more insight in 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 these in these areas of of uh, qualities that a person with a disability has and then secondly we need to then do the best that we possibly can to prepare the job seeker to be aware of the industries first, and then secondly, to be prepared moving forward. That's what I like so much about RSABR is that the, the basic introduction to the program is saying, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with your future? And the more we can help that job seeker grasp that and buy into it and say, this is what I want to do. Now I need, I'm going to get the, 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 the tools I need to be ready 
then that oh, it makes it so much easier to speak to the employer. I, I use that as a point of reference when I speak to employers. I tell them, you know what? It's so good to work with the blind, visually impaired community because they're actually working in a career that they've they've handpicked. This is exactly what they want to do. They're exactly the right person for your company. You know, as as I'm considering the people on the show today, you know, I'm I'm thinking of the supply chain. We hear a lot about supply chain these days, and there's definitely one here. You know, people who have lost their vision and lost their personal and financial independence. You know, they they've got a journey ahead of them, and hopefully that begins with us or with the Voc Rehab program. And and then the the Voc Rehab program makes us available, the Arizona Center for the Blind. You know, and our job is to get them ready to be employable. And and there's a lot that has to happen. You know, we talk about societal perceptions, and usually, since these people were part of society before they experienced their own vision loss. Now we've got to deal with their perceptions or misperceptions about blindness and what their abilities are going to be. We have to teach them to be oriented and adjusted to blindness. We have to teach them basic travel skills, what we call orientation and mobility training. There's a lot of independent daily living skills that need to be taught, like Braille or basic keyboarding, Budgeting, calendaring, time management, food preparation, household management, and and that list goes on and on. We have to teach them assistive technology so that they can interact and, and access and organize information. They need to learn how to use computers and smartphones when they can't see the screen anymore. So we teach those kinds of skills. And we have a job readiness program. We teach uh, job seeking strategies and resume writing, labor market research, and a lot of the stuff that Terrell's been talking about. So that's our part of the supply chain. And then they they go on and work with folks like Terrell, who you know, is engaged in getting people connected with the you know the what I would call the private sector. Um, organizations like what Isaac is doing and like Arizona Industries for the Blind and, you know, the, the end user in this supply chain. So we all have a, a part to play that, you know, contributes to the other parts. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, such a good point too, Frank, is that, you know, there it is a journey as someone acquires blindness um, later in life or, has to go through that adjustment process, right? whether it's grieving and then relearning a lot of different things that you took for granted. And how, how do we go back and, and regain that independence and those, that confidence uh, in ourselves as now as a person who is blind? And certainly that does take time. And over that time, I think as that confidence grows and, and uh, your skills build, that you become and these for myself, I'll speak for myself, being more creative and finding ways that work for me to achieve the same goals that I was doing prior to losing my vision. Certainly not an overnight thing. You know, some of those those fears and, and lack of confidence 
may come from that number, you know, a large number of unemployed people who aren't ready to enter into the workforce because they're not sure and they haven't had the opportunity that, that you know, like Isaac's company, he was his thing, he, you know, let us help you regain that independence and, and um, provide an opportunity. It might not be the exact opportunity that you're looking for. Maybe you start in, like myself, I started in a position that I wasn't really sure that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, 17 years later, I've grown into this role that, that I'm just totally passionate about and love and have the opportunity to connect with, with great leaders like you know, the three of you here and my other guests is to be able to grow and build upon each one of those steps in, in those phases. And, you know, it, it kind of circle back to one of the things that Terrell was saying about looking at industry. And, you know, for myself, I was wanting to go into criminal justice and, you know, the, the eye doctor tells me, well, there's no blind cops and, you know, mm-hmm. basically squashed my dreams in a sense. And, and when I was having a conversation with someone else not too long ago, they said, would you, knowing what you know now, would you have stayed in that industry? And I said, absolutely, because there's so many more things that within being in criminal justice than just being a police officer. And if I wish I had the supports that are, or I knew about the supports um, that are out there today back then. And so I think it is important to think, um, you know, Carol is about how do we encourage those people is that there are many, many different jobs within that industry. You, might, you can be in construction. You might not be able to swing a hammer, but you can, you know, plan and order materials and, and do lots of other things within that, that industry. So it's really thinking outside the box. Well, and I think, David, you said it probably, it's, you know, I think two things that I hear from it that I think is important just you know, in anything, it's it's meaningful employment and you want to do it. You want to go to work every day and be proud of what you do and be passionate. So that's what I always encourage anybody, whether you have a disability or not. It's about following that passion. And then it's going to be a bumpy road to get there. And don't be afraid to take those opportunities because, you know, like I've delivered pizzas, you know, done the Burger King thing. You know, I, like I've told David in the past, like, you know, unfortunately, you know, we're being challenged that we're just creating production jobs that we are proud. We just hired a customer service rep uh, this past week. That's going to be, you know, helping out with orders and processing. And we work with VR to get, uh, you know, adaptive technology. That's all new for our HR team. They didn't know even what they were doing because this is new to them. So, you know, it, it's, you know, taking the opportunity to, to just get work and create independence and confidence um, rather than, you know, you're going to find that meaning. So I think it's, how do you, do that parallel because you you said it took you 17 years. You know, I'm I'm 20 years building this 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 uh, social enterprise. So there is going to be a path where you're not going to get actually what you want. But if you have like the eye on the prize, you know, the, those uh, hard work and and getting there will create that independence that we're talking about. I totally agree. They always say everybody's got to start somewhere. It might not always be in that ideal situation, and you can work your way into it and say. Maybe this isn't the right industry for me. I enjoy these portions of the work that I'm doing and look for another industry or look for a different position within that industry to continue to grow yourself and advance your career and uh, professional life and, and, you know, your independence as well. 
So we, we've been talking a lot about a lot of different things. And I think one thing, key things I think we come up with in when we're talking about employment and disability employment and is some of the stigmas around that. And Frank, you kind of touched on it briefly about demystifying. I think it's good to hear from maybe from from your perspective what you think maybe some of those stigmas are. Um, and then, you know, I'll open that up to, to anyone, uh, Terrell or Isaac as well. A lot of times when we're doing a support group, in the very early stages, I will ask people what some of the uh, myths are about blindness. And the first thing people say is, well, you know, their their hearing is so much better. And, you know, I'd say, sure, um, if, if I could turn my hearing aids up loud enough. Mm-hmm. But people... They think that there's this boost to the other senses when there's vision loss. And there's really not. What there is, hopefully, is, is an ability to pay closer attention to the information that our brain's getting through the other senses because that 90% of the stuff that we got into our brain used to be through vision, and that's not available anymore. That's one myth. Another one, I think, is that people who are blind are helpless and dependent. You know, life's over. It's hopeless. It's the worst thing that could ever, ever possibly happen to anyone. And and that certainly is not true. Other myths, you know, people who are blind are musical, musically inclined, you know, like Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder and many others. It's important for people to know what the truth is, to replace beliefs that are incorrect or irrational with beliefs that are accurate and valid. And when their their perceptions about blindness begin to change, their outcomes begin to change. You know, if you're looking at this through a filter where blind people are helpless and dependent, and they're always going to be that way, then the outcome is a really defeated sense of self-esteem. But when, when they start to realize the truth of it, that, that blind people have abilities and, and they're out there doing stuff, you know, their, their outcome changes and they feel a lot better about themselves and they're willing to engage more and push themselves more and, and develop some skills. We've recently embarked on some adventure uh, experiences here at the center. Most recently, we took a group of people to Bartlett Lake, and we took them water skiing and wakeboarding and all kinds of stuff that a lot of them never did when they could see, and, and certainly not since they had lost their vision. And what that does is, is it's, it's the psychological benefit. They have a great time. They they do something new. They they feel this great sense of accomplishment. So when people begin to realize that I can achieve things and accomplish things, you know, they apply that to you know day to day areas in their life too. Yeah. So this is actually one of my favorite topics because uh, uh, you know since I started the foundation, at first we did some golf tournaments, and I invited you know customers and vendors of our 
community of business. And uh, we brought in uh, some of the technology companies at the after dinner, you know, cocktail event. And, you know, I just, I was amazed on how many of these people I knew were such smart individuals would say, well, I don't know, black people could use a computer or this. And one of the things that I've learned through this whole process, it's really about awareness. And, and you know, we're talking about it here. What I love about putting Braille in our package of Braille creates conversation and creates awareness. We're creating it through a different channel, through beauty products. You know, women love to talk about beauty products. Well, you know, most of the household purchases and decisions are made by, you know, women. And so we've been finding it's about changing, about creating the conversation just because most people are not aware of it. But it is amazing to see just how many people, you know, even I think about my mom when she goes on a plane by herself and they pull up the wheelchair and she's like, I'm, I just need help, you know? So I think it's just, how do we continue to make people aware and comfortable with it? Because I think there's still just a lot of misperception out there. You know, I think this is where we're seeing a, a definite change in it. Yeah. And- you know, Isaac, I, I once stayed in a hotel and one of my frustrating things um, is you know, there's this basket of, of toiletries, you know, shampoo, conditioner, hand lotion, all kinds of stuff. And the bottles are the exact same size and mm. shape. A lot of times the contents even smell the same. I went to this one hotel and I was very surprised. I picked up a bottle to take to my wife and say, is this the shampoo? But then I noticed there was Braille on the cap of the bottle. And, and all of the bottles were labeled in Braille. I was so excited. And I would actually make a point to go back and stay at that hotel for that very reason. Yeah, thanks Thanks for sharing that, Frank. I think there certainly is you know, some brand loyalty, a very large buying power within the disability community. And so certainly um, you would find that if there's an organization that is creating that inclusivity, that people would kind of tend to lean in that direction. and. So I, I, you know, you're living proof of that. The, or, the hotel made a conscious effort to uh, ensure that you had equality uh, access to the information that on that bottle of shampoo, printed information in Braille, and that you would stay there again. And I think also, Isaac, as you were talking about top of the show, right, the, the awareness portion on how people, even within your own organization, whether it's the HR team or the rest of the team without disabilities, is gaining new insights and changing some of their perceptions of what what a disability is and what people are capable of doing. And do you find that same conversation with your customers and even maybe with your vendors? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's definitely an education uh, across the board. To, to continue to you know educate and and we think we should be doing a better job with our vendors and and even setting some of their milestones and asking what their commitment is so it's definitely customers you know i think each each retailer i like i said i give our industry you know two weeks ago we did a you know this this month we do a, a blind awareness event so we partnered up with san antonio lighthouse and a grocery a retailer out in texas heb and this month, we also did something with ABVI in Michigan with Meyer, and we donated a percentage of sales. So it was just, it was great to create awareness, you know, out there. 
And uh, one of the things that we did with our our customer HEB, they're just such a great corporate citizen. Um, and what they've done during the hurricanes in Houston and uh, with, uh, giving away product at their stores. But one of the things that they have also done is they've, they've created, they made a commitment to create a department called the Bridges. And I, and I remember talking to them, I said, the program, she says, no, the programs are, they, they're not, they're not set. Departments, they're there for Stone to make commitments. So in four years, they've made a commitment. They've hired over 400 individuals with disabilities. So uh, it's just, you know, we're, we're seeing it. And I, I think this DEI is just a great platform to really create the accessibility and really, you know, let's face it, let's talk about the discrimination too. I mean, my mom, she came and spoke at the event and talked about her first interview and how she came and asked for, you know, her interview and they noticed she was blind and she overheard them saying that this woman's blind and, you know, they ended up turning her away and saying the position had been filled. So I think that's like the DEI has been a great platform that I think is also going to help, I think, really set the platform for accessibility uh, and what we're trying to have a conversation around inclusivity. So, um, but I but I do have a question for the panel here, maybe just to something as a challenge as an employer and going back to this 20% because I go back to my mom and her students and what I've been exposed to has been individuals who've lost their sight and done amazing just work within being advocacy or being a lawyer. But one of the things that, that keeps me up at night is that how do we get the majority that now that I'm outside my mom's circle and the people that I've been around that are influential and uh, in, in advocating for blind and visually impaired uh, individuals, how do we inspire to get people to think about, you know, going over this uh, 20 hours and, and going there? Because that that's, you know, if we continue to create this awareness, you know, we want equality at work and we have people that are scared. And, and just so people know, we're paying $15 an hour a minimum at our jobs, full benefits, 401k. So how, how does a company or what are some of those things that you think that, you know, when we look at it, the employee, how do you get them prepared to really, you know, move to that next phase and creating equality? Because that that's where I think I'm concerned with the, the challenges that we're running into. I think that that's a tough one. And, and it has everything to do with confidence. You know, people have earning caps with their disability pension. Or maybe they're on SSI and then they have even more restrictive earning limitations. So, you know, if they exceed what they're allowed to earn, then they lose benefits like medical coverage and maybe subsidized housing and, and that sort of thing. And it's just really tough for them to let go all of the way and rely solely their own ability to work to generate the income. If they did, they would be way ahead of what they're doing by not going past what they're allowed to earn. But but getting people to take that step it is is the challenge. And you know anything that that can be done to improve their self-confidence and give them more faith in their abilities and in their employer, I think those would be steps in the right direction. 
channel? Do you have you want? Yeah, to... I was going to say, Isaac. I think you hit on it as a company, full on. You know, the more that you're showing the the your community that you're an inclusive company, that that's going to that's going to speak volume to to those around you, and then it also it, it makes the your team proud of of what you're doing which will then draw attraction to you. The flip side is, is that like when years ago, uh, I ran a job club and David, I had him come be one of the speakers. And he's, you know, he went through like, hey, I was trying to do these things. I was trying to do that. And finally came down to, you know what? The only thing that's going to really be effective for me is to show my ability, is to show the skills I'm capable of. And so he, he just opened his computer and said, look at." Here's what I can do. The last company I worked for, they they had they didn't have a good plan out. So I I developed this plan, and with that implementation, it, it reduced X Y Z by this dollar amount. And I think that that's kind of where, like how how Frank was saying, I think we're soft in areas where need to be strong. You know, again, the employer needs to see that this is not a loss. This is a this, I, I'm going to hire this person, and they need to they need to be something that's bringing profit to my organization. And so it, it's it's grasping both of those things where the the employer is doing their part. They're hiring people with diversities. Specifically, we talk about diversity, and there's people that don't even consider disability as being a diversity. And so it's pulling all that in and saying people with a disability can do the job. And then secondly, is years ago, I don't know about you, throughout my my working career, I've been working for over, I don't know, 50 years. I've had to do things to step up to take care of my family. And if that takes two, three jobs, I did. I worked two, three jobs. And having that showing that, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to come in, I'll give you an example of the work I've done and the program that Frank represents and, and that whole side of things just pays into the fact that hey I've put in the work to be to to become to, to come to the table and bring the tools I need just let me show you like how David did let me show you what I can do how I can be an impact for your company and then you know what by you doing the right thing and hiring me your company is going to be more pleasing they say 87 percent of people prefer to do their business with companies that hire people with disabilities. Hmm. And so it's good business. And then the other side of it, by the more the job seeker shows their skill, their readiness for the position, their preparation, and how they can be that match, the businesses will come together with that mindset that the, the business wants to see a bottom line profit. And how, how can you bring that profit to me? And, and, how, and how David showed that example in his, his interviewing is what's going to be impactful. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Terrell and, and Frank, for your input. I, it's a, as Frank said, it's a huge topic. You know, there's social security disability counseling, uh, maybe Isaac, in terms of talking to your employees or candidates in terms of you know, things that they can do to offset some of their income. Um, job carving or sharing is, is possible. You know, is that possible within your organization? So there's maybe some of those other tactics or things that are available to you that can help the individual who's kind of facing that challenge of 
because I had to face it as well, is do I go off a disability benefit, which is secure set amount each month, or do I take that, that risk and go off the benefits? I don't like the job or the, that I get fired or whatever things that can happen. And, you know, what I think we always look at the negative. We don't look at the positive side of things and say, well, if I go off of this, I have so many more opportunities. And like you said, you hired a customer service person. Here's the pathway that you can go within this organization and, and even outside the organization. So that's just my two thoughts. Um, unfortunately, we are kind of bumping up on our conversation here. It's been so impactful, um, lots of great information. And I'm super excited to have had you guys here. I'll just wrap up with Isaac in terms of uh, contacting you. How, how would our listeners uh, want to learn more about what you're doing, uh, get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, my uh, direct email is uh, ishapiro at imstradingusa.com. Perfect. Thank you. Terrell, how about you? Ewelch, T-W-E-L-C-H at azbes.gov. Or you can reach me on my cell phone at 602-320-1598. Thank you so much. Frank? My pleasure. Okay. The best easiest thing is is to call us at the Arizona Center for the Blind or ACBVI. The phone number is 602-273-7411. And you can email me at fvance, that's F as in Frank, V-A-N-C-E, at acbvi.org. And I'd, I'd love to hear from you, show you the center. Uh, give you a tour, talk to you about programs and services and you know what what your next step might be. Fantastic. And again, I'm I'm so grateful to have had such a talented and distinguished panel today. And I hope that our our listeners gain a better understanding um, and recognizing the talents and contributions that people uh, who are blind people with disabilities bring to the workforce and help demonstrate that with the right training, the right technology, and the right attitude, people who are blind, people with disabilities are successful in the workplace. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time with your host, David Steinmetz. Be sure to subscribe to Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time on your favorite podcast platform. And tune in live on Phoenix Business Radio X every third Friday at 1 p.m. We hope you feel inspired by today's conversation, and maybe we've even sparked a new idea or opportunity. 